Welcome to the Open Heart series. Um, this is my first one, and I just wanted to uh, take the time to talk about this coronavirus and some of the implications, but uh, from my point of view. Not so long ago, I was um, more interested in interviewing people and seeing the best or exploring the best in mankind. I was thirsty for uh, the extraordinary feats that were being achieved by ordinary people. But then today, it's Friday the 3rd of April, and the coronavirus pandemic has passed the million mark. So I just want to take the time to look at things differently. Uh, maybe with hindsight, there's always a bit more wisdom to us. But definitely, we are all witnessing a turning point in history. And um, it's something that we're going to have to really uh, um, not enjoy, but um, live so that we can remember this moment. I think that mankind is at the door of a brand new way of life, that we can't escape that fact. We either become now the driver of that new way, or we'll sit here and become a spectator, in which case we will be most likely be left behind because this is not a Formula One race. This is not a ring race. The cars don't come back in front of the spectators for 60 laps. Uh, this car here, this brand new way of life is going to just forge ahead and you only being a spectator and seeing that car once. I don't think that anyone will be able to say that this hasn't affected them. I don't think that um, there is one single life out there that is not being affected. I believe that every plans uh, will have to change. And uh, those who adapt their plans and do things fast is going to look at things differently. So this new series is really about me having a monologue. I'm going to talk about a subject every single time and I want to just share my thoughts. I'm not going to try to rehash information. I mean, at least I'm going to try. I'm not going to rehash information and talk about things that the media is doing an awful job about, but that's at least there's one thing that they're doing is that they, there is information that they provide and I do thank them for that. I'm not going to talk about the new legislations or what the government is uh, bringing out in order to bring some relief to our country. There's a, a lot of very well-informed people who can really um, draw the best of these rules and share it with us. I'm really going to just talk about how I feel. So therefore, I'll try my best not to judge nor blame the government, the media or others. I'm just going to share the thoughts that I have on the, on the moment. So sometimes there may be a bit of quiet time. There will be a long I guess, silence. That's probably because I'm thinking. And hopefully it will just help me explore my reasoning and in the end help 
me and whoever it can help to look at things in a better way, in a more calm and common sense way. You see, I've been a, studying human behavior for over 30 years. At first, I was probably trying to study myself. I was trying to understand my own behavior first. I mean, I've always wanted to improve my own self. I, I've been taught by a mother who said that the value of becoming the change that I wanted to see the world to be or I wanted to see in the world was way more important than sitting there as a critic. And so the journey into the self-exploration, but also the exploration of others has really helped me so much more about the understanding of, of human nature. You see, understanding myself brought so much understanding about some of the aspect. I'm not saying all of the aspect. I mean, that would be so wrong to understand myself and then use that understanding to set now a rule of a law for human behavior. It is just one person among the billions that are on the planet. But still, I don't believe that, that while we are maybe all unique in a lot of ways, that I believe that the behavior can be really classified in a few groups. And that's the exploration of others has helped me have a look. The, while I spend a bit of time exploring the behavior of others, I have uh, looked at um, the same style of behavior being repeated in different people. You see, when you have done so much training of uh, salespeople and also have to spend your entire lifetime trying to pick up people and, and help them make money, therefore relieve some of the anxiety they have in their life of not having enough. It makes it easier to make predictions about people's behavior. So in the end, for me, trying to understand others helped me understand myself because you can't really understand your own self by just exploring yourself. You, can, you only have certain limitations because after a certain amount of data, that enclosed environment stops you from having new data to interact. But the minute that you can open that window and reach out and look at the external world, then new data uh, is available uh, and you can now use that available data in order to understand your own data better, but also uh, make uh, new rules or make new potential observations come true. So through this series here, I, I really hope that um, I can help many of us, many people recover some sense of sanity in a world of turmoil. And so being a monologue, I try not to restrict my mind from wondering too much. I will try to stick to a certain amount of time and make sure that we uh, 
take the time to really digest the information. There's too much information right now and uh, an overload is very easy. To me, it is more important to restrict the amount of information but to start unleashing the amount of creativity, the opportunity to think and juggle with the few piece of information that we have at hand. So I will let my mind just wander. It will go wherever it wants. And I will just allow it to entertain me a little bit, just for a second, an hour. So let's start first with um, how I looked at this virus um, in the beginning. I had to say that first, I did not take this very seriously. I downplayed it. Maybe there was that side of me that just wanted to look at things from always a positive light. There is inside of me something that just drives me to always look for the positive in everything. And so when I understood that the coronavirus was a flu, for me, it was a mere flu. I've lived long enough on this planet to know what a yearly flu was about. And so I didn't take it seriously. Then gradually it became a big talk. And I started noticing that everyone I spoke with had their own solutions. Me, my, me included, I mean myself included. And we were full of solutions. And at first I even tried to steer my own business into positive territories. I mean, after all, I'm a leader of 26 franchises uh, who are looking for certainty amidst uh, uncertainty. And it's not easy to achieve that because everyone has got their own agenda, everyone's got their own religious beliefs and their personal circumstance. And so you have to deal with all of these things in a different manner. But slowly, I started to notice one thing, is that a lot of people had solutions, but the solutions that they have was pretty restrained. They did not even understand how this virus was different to a normal flu. Therefore, how could they just give me a, a complete answer? So after a little while came the shutdown. The, when the government began uh, shutting things down or talking about shut, shut down, it really made me angry. I still remember, so it's not so long ago, that the people who owned the restaurant were first. The people who had gyms were first. The people who, whose livelihood was probably about making money almost on a week-to-week -week basis were first. So I understood straight away that this economy was going to be affected and that all businesses, small businesses, were going to be um, put on the, on the line and at some stage those businesses would be pushed into the abyss. I, I was angry. I mean, I, I thought to myself, how could they crush people's life for simple flu? Do you know how many people have got dreams that have now been disintegrated because the government stood up and made a decision without even consulting the, the public. How could this be a democracy? 
how could they come and destroy my hard work of so many years? And then I look at the flu and, 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 and try to look for reason to be right. I was just thinking, I mean, every year there are thousands of people who are dying from the flu. And how could this year be different? And I was really angry because I, I could also see that these politicians' income, their pocket was not going to be heard. They are paid by taxpayers' money. And I could see they were, they were not even talking about themselves cutting their own income by 20% before asking someone who came from Italy, worked bloody hard, opened a restaurant to shut it down. And... That's probably the first time that I saw a general sense of panic, anger, anxiety, and depression. I could see people going home and feeling like all their dreams been shattered, that they have been abandoned. I've seen people who actually said to me that it was unfair that they had to be chosen to close first, that they were chosen to close first, and not another industry. They didn't say mine, but I understood. Then I saw the stupidity now in, in people too. I saw people racing to buy gloves, masks, and toilet papers. People even fighting for toilet papers. In some ways, this is, this is when you see probably the worst of mankind, when toilet paper became the subject of dinner parties. And I see also then even worse than people fighting for toilet paper, I see the profiteers, the people who may want society to look after them, but who would gladly rape society for it. So they would go out there buying toilet paper by the dozens, and then they would resell it online just to make a quick buck. Those are the vultures of society. And it took a little while before they dealt with them. But I could see how human nature could go into very different directions. But the problem was that I didn't know too much. I, I have a sister who works in um, the um, hospitals in Belgium. And I have a brother who is... Uh, running um, a few policemen in terms of teams. And the more I was talking to them, the more I could see that these guys didn't have the time to really complain. They were busy enough trying to help people, either staying isolated at home or recover from their intensive care beds. And... That's when I started to feel a little bit different. I felt a very much like an ignorant, like um, someone who was talking without too much data. I realized that I wasn't privy to too much data, to real data, that maybe the government 
whom I have to say has done a bloody good job, but maybe not at keeping people um, less confused. However, they've done a bloody good job. You can see that our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is pretty tired. Uh, he has got um, probably way more information at hand than I do have. So in looking at all these figures and how it gotten to one million, and today as we speak, just in France, they have jumped to 1,355 deaths in one day. That's in a single day. And so I was really now privy to seeing that curve that they talk about, that exponential curve just hitting the roof. And I had to really look at what was the issue. And the issue, I think, for me, is the issue of hospital beds. So when I asked my sisters about what's the issue that's happening in France, I mean, and why is it in Australia we we behaving like this when in the last 24 hours all we have is five deaths? I mean, I understand every life is precious. But we're talking about now five deaths in the last 24 hours versus 1,355 in another country. And she said the issue is mainly about the lack of bed. If you look at, for example, she said in America or Germany, like Germany's got very small number of deaths, even though they've got a high number of, of people affected. That's mainly because Germany has got 29.2 beds per 100,000 inhabitants. And, and America is probably up there too, even though America has got a bigger population. Uh, therefore, their number is not really going to help them. But still, they have 34.7 um, beds available per 100,000 inhabitants. Italy, for example, that's being hit the most so far, has only got 12.5 beds for every 100,000 people. And France only has 11.6. So I was curious. I'm starting to look around, having a, trying to understand where are we in Australia. And that's when I really discovered that in 2020, so this year, there's been a study that found out that Australia only has 9.4 ICU beds per 100,000 inhabitants. Now, that's when the coin dropped. That's when I realized why our government has really pushed us into doing this way before we have even understood it. Is that if we are going to really rate ourselves versus other countries, we are far below uh, Germany. We are actually one-third of their capacity, right? So if we are going to really even look at our ability versus someone like Germany, let's have, we can look at those numbers. And as I said, the, the numbers out there, you can go and look. But we're only one-third of what they have in terms of available bed. So if it is the case, then... Where are we going to be if this number starts to curve up? Because with our 9.4, we are behind Italy, France, 
South Korea, and Spain. And so it hit me that what the government was really trying to do was to make sure we keep this down so that we never have to have a our health system being so overloaded that we are going to create an overflow. For example, I know that there are surgeries right now that have been pushed back or canceled. So if more people were being infected by the virus, it, it, this would now be creating an overflow in other departments. There will be so much focus from our health workers on just these people here that there will be other people dying maybe or being affected from other disease. And one of the things that hit me this week was the interview I had with Chris Jocelyn, who is doing a bloody good job fighting his fight. But as of this week, he can no longer have his two and a half kilometers walk that he needs every single day in order to keep his body in good shape. And so you can now see already as an overflow of and a ramification of what's happening now is that he now has to fight the fight of his life with some of these activities being cancelled. So what is our problem? Yes, okay, we have an, an issue with self-distancing or self-isolation. But that's mainly because I think it is not in our human nature to uh, be isolated. I don't believe that human beings are creatures that can live lonely by themselves in the desert. Some people will do, but that's not the norm. The norm needs to be around other people, exchange ideas and talk. And uh, yes, it's going to be pretty hard for many of us to even consider the idea of a lockdown where, like in Italy, Spain or other countries, we may have to be isolated for a certain period of time. Four weeks, three months. So that is something that we can really have a look and explore. I understand too that, you know, the... As a human being, we need to touch each other. And it's it feels weird like for me to even uh, do business with people and not being able to even have a handshake these days. And I, I feel already pretty weird having to uh, do the elbow or the, the foot kind of <laughs> shake. But that's, that's not, that's changing the way we, we have been, I mean, that's changing my way of seeing business. I mean, after all, even touch, we know it does create um, and it stimulates probably the release of a lot of good hormones and actually also reduce cortisol. We, we know these things. That's not the main concern. But the, So asking people to self-isolate when all of those things are driving them to get that is going to be very hard. But I also have to say that the... I see the benefits. So if that's going to happen, then so be it. We have to deal with this. I see also the benefit. I think that for the first time, 
my generation uh, is going to be able to really spend time as a family. You know, I look at the times of my fathers, the times of my maybe the grandparents, where they can really have an entire family uh, together for more than maybe a meal. And how in our society, when the kids reach a certain age, maybe 18, it is almost impossible to have them with us for more than a meal. And so this is a great opportunity for us to probably spend time together and to experience a bit of life together. I mean, that this doesn't go without issues. I've already encountered issues with my own son trying to uh, design maybe the way or shape the way it's going to happen now over the next few months. I have experienced already the way that communication is uh, impacting each other inside our own home. I mean, after all, in my own house, I've got four or five adults, and it's pretty hard. I mean, it's already hard to just behave as a husband with my wife, and now if I'm going to be doing this 24-7, I can see already the ramification of 24-7 relationship. And it's, <laughs> I mean, one thing for sure is that, you know, in the past when I would lie down and do nothing, uh, she would say that I was lazy, but now I'm just acting as a responsible human being. If I don't move or do anything, I'm just obeying the law. So in, in that respect, it's going to be good. I will be allowed to have my TV remote control a bit more often. But really, this here is an opportunity for us to do a lot of things together. I mean, we can now go out there and create our own garden. We can have our own veggie garden. Rather than just being busy trying to survive, to make a living. So there is also the separation at work. The people are still working. Uh, some companies have already um, pushed their staff to work from home. And they are trying to get the same kind of return from people who are no longer working together. And that's not possible. It's, it's going to take time. It, there's going to be a teething period where people are going to learn to uh, manage their time a bit different. I was having a chat with one of our leaders in regards to the property managers. And this, the, the leader was a little bit pedantic on the fact that you know, we still have to keep the level of service the same even though we are not working in the same room. But that means that, means that we have to work differently. I said to the leader, we don't have to lower the standard. So that's a very good standard to aim for. But we, it's going to take a little while before we can turn these things around. So instead of having our property managers calling everyone back because it's important for them to call everyone back because it's important to deliver the best service. No, you can now manage your phone time. Now you can really say instead of... Uh, calling everyone back 
in regards to these issues with all the new tenancy ruling that's come out? Well, we can do a Zoom meeting or a Microsoft Team meeting where at a certain time of the day, a certain numbers of landlord can get on and we can discuss with them about certain point. We can also send out letters to let them know about some of the decisions that we're making now before that Zoom meeting. So before you have that video conference, it, it would be very good to set a few guidelines so that people know exactly how you're going to work for them now. Every life has been disrupted right now. So any reasonable landlord or tenant would understand that the way that we're going to work is going to change too. So it will only make sense to um, go out there and change the way we work. We don't have to do the same thing in a new world. The playing field has now changed. And slowly it's going to create a new position. It's going to create a new playing field. Now that doesn't go without making mistakes. There are going to be decisions that will be made at management level that may have to be changed because of that separation at work. So you can see life and work is going to be affected. And it will take a very reasonable employee and employer to really work at it together. Now there will always be um, exaggeration or there will always be cons. And the cons are going to be from uh, people who pretend that they are sick just to have some sick days. Or there are going to be business owners who are going to take advantage of this $1,500, but still force their team uh, and pay their team only $1,500, but are forcing their team members to just work the same full-time hours. So whether you're an employer or an employee, there will always be people taking advantage of others. But the good thing is this. People are not stupid. They will know who took advantage of them in tough times. And payback is always going to be the pill that is reserved to those who use others. And I'm talking about now why sometimes some of us are anxious or, or being conned by people. It's, I think misinformation is going to be a business in itself with the coronavirus. I think fake news is going to really uh, be on the increase. I'm not saying it wasn't there before, but it's going to increase. There's going to be a lot of people trying to win ratings or the, um, the war on uh, getting more likes by coming up with quick solutions for people to get healthy. And there's always going to be people who are so eager to latch onto some certainty that they will just fall prey to these kind of devices. Conspiracy is going to come up that, you know, 
um, some countries actually uh, developed this in their lab and threw it out in the world. I mean, there's always going to be things like this. But what does it do really for us? And sometimes we, we're going to have to really sit down and really pay attention to these cons. I mean, there's people like coming out... Lately, uh, I heard about a product. It's called the silver gel. Apparently, that uh, uh, if if you get silver into your body, and that it's gonna keep the virus away from you. I mean, if really it was true, wouldn't you think that the governments all over the world are going to at least have one honest government latching on that idea, proving it, and then curing its population? Or could it be that all Countries, all government in the world are really conspiring to kill all of us. Come on. I think that in the midst of a pandemic like this, there is a huge flood of information, of abuse. And really the issue is for a lot of us to, is to believe. Who? What? Why? So yes, there's going to be a lot of distrust in the population. And that goes without saying. So... I think we need to regain some sense of calm and really have a look at the bigger picture. Yes, my business is going to be affected. There's no doubt about it. Yes, there will be decisions that I will be forced to make that will affect some of my employees. Absolutely. But that is the duty of leadership. The duty of someone who sits there and look at reality the way it is. Not worse than it is. Not better than it is. But then afterwards, he needs to sit down, or she needs to sit down, and find a way to make it better. And, and I think that that is going to be the drive that we have. So I hope that you have enjoyed this first Open Heart series. And I really would like to take the time and talk a little bit more about some of the inner fears I have or the anxiety I have going through this and share that with you in the near future. Until then, all the best. Keep well. <laughs>